Hi guys, welcome to Requires Improvement, an education podcast brought to you by Blackboard Theatre. I'm one of your hosts, Dean Osgood, and my fellow podcast host, Molly. Would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, I'm Molly Atkinson. I'm also part of the Blackboard Theatre team. Very excited to talk about um, the different things we're going to discuss today. So just at like the top of the show, I thought we'd just bring up the fact that this is our first ever podcast. So it's not going to be polished. The audio might sound horrendous, like quite literally RuPaul's Drag Race just started playing in the background um, for me. So, you know, it might not be polished, but bear with us. We'll get there eventually. Um, Molly, what I thought might be a nice activity for us to do was rather than introducing ourselves, maybe we could introduce each other. All right, okay. Is that weird? <laughs> like, you could introduce me and I could introduce you. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah. <laughs> go on then. Right, shall I go first or you go first? Uh, you go first. Okay, right. So, I'm going to... In- By the way, just, just to like put this out there, we are both performing arts graduates so this is such um and me being a drama teacher as well this is such like a icebreaker this is like something you do at like a first like drama club session isn't it it is yeah (laughs) (laughs) sorry (laughs) so um molly um my friend's name is molly (laughs) and awful at this right so i'll introduce molly so molly um studied performance live and recorded media at university and that's where i met her i met her in second year of of of, of that course um she and that's it (laughs) and um that's the only notable thing in her life um no um molly is getting married next year very excited for it. I am a nighttime only invite. Still very bitter about that, but you know, it's fine. Um, but after university, Molly went on to study a, um, a PGCE through a skit scheme, didn't you? Am I right in thinking that? Yeah, a lovely skit. Scheme. Yeah. Um, and there you trained to be a primary school teacher, and now you work mm-hmm. at an unnamed primary school somewhere in the northeast of England. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the university we both went to as well was Teesside University. Um, me being originally from the Wirral, which is the posh side of, of the Mersey. I think that was a good introduction to you, Molly, do you not think? It was, yeah, it was a very, very good introduction. You started talking about yourself at the end, though. But, um, I, I, I did, I did, sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I'm not very good at this, am I? Do you want me to go now, me do you? Well, yeah, might as well. So Dean um, Osgood lives in the Wirral, the posh bit of Liverpool, as he told me when we first met. Um, he also studied performance for live and recorded media at Teesside University. And he was the course rep. Three, three years in a row. Three years that we were there. Something to be extremely proud of. Um, I am. Then, it's on the CV, um, Molly. I don't know why you're laughing. It's on the CV. <laughs> When we left university, um, Dean took a little bit of um, a break and um, yeah, a gap year, gap year, which he spent quite a 
a few of his hours working at Weatherspoons. Um, I really found myself in the kitchen of Weatherspoons. Like it was just yeah, sort of like discovered some hidden talent. Um, and then about was it two year two years after that, or was it just a year? No, two years. I really, really spent a lot of time in the Weatherspoons. <laughs> <laughs> two years after that. He did a schools direct, was it? Yeah, schools direct. Yeah. Well schools done, well remembered. Yes, um, and trained to be a drama teacher at an unnamed secondary school um, somewhere in the Wirral area, um, where he is now been he's now been a teacher for two years. Yeah, going into my third year in September. How exciting! Mm-hmm. But just to point out, we are saying unnamed so we don't get sacked. Um, a lot of what <laughs> Molly and I have done in the past have um, very nearly got us sacked from, from a number of different jobs. <laughs> so we've got to be quite quite careful. Yeah, don't want to upset parents as well. I think that was quite a good introduction there. No, I didn't think we did bad. No. So we don't know who's going to listen to this podcast. Probably nobody. Yeah. But we um, we thought it might be a nice way to just... One, keep in touch with each other, and two, keep us going creatively. And three, the third point being a way to talk about and explore different teaching strategies, pedagogies, things that we can share. Because obviously, we're from two different aspects of the education system Molly being primary and me being secondary. So I thought it might be just a nice place for us to come together, and maybe teachers might listen to it, contribute ideas. I don't know. We always go off on a tangent as well about stuff that we've done or um, that we've read. So it's whenever we like intend to have meetings about Blackboard Theatre, we often spend half an hour, an hour chatting before that about what's happening in work or what we've done that week or something that we've read and it just made sense to share it with, with other people as well. Yeah, like yeah, like before we recorded this podcast, we we had a good hour long catch up, yeah. <laughs> even though we had a strict agenda. Um, shall we give some background on Blackboard Theatre, Molly? Yes, I think that would be a good idea. Um, so Molly and I obviously done the course together, and we stayed in touch after university. Although there was a year or two when it was a bit ropey. <laughs> It was a bit ropey and um, me and Molly nearly lost touch. (laughs) (laughs) As she keeps reminding me, I said to her once. Jean said to me once, In in a pizza express. I'm so glad you called because because I'd I'd put out that olive branch and I invited myself to the Wirral just so, you know, to stay in touch. And then he very politely said, oh, we were very nearly not friends if you hadn't reached (laughs) In the middle of a pizza express. <laughs> no, no, no. Sorry, Molly always brings that up as something nasty I said. But I think it was just facts. But ever since then, we have avidly stayed in touch. We have. It's got more and more as well. Like, it used to be every couple of months, and then it was like every month, and now it's like every week. <laughs> Actually, every but, week. And then, and then this week, we didn't message that much, so I got a bit worried, and was like, <laughs> Why haven't I spoken to you this week? <laughs> you messaged me on Thursday. Like, Are you okay? I haven't yeah. heard from you. <laughs> and I just had a hectic week with her. Um, but me and Molly obviously used to meet up in random halfway places because we oh, are yeah. massively hours apart. And, and one of the times we met in York, 
we'd we'd always had this idea that we wanted to start a theatre company and take works to different festivals and I remember we just said to each other in York we actually need to put some kind of plan in place to do this and it actually come to fruition and we actually made a theatre company and wrote a play (laughs) well no we we decided we needed to do something about it and then um yeah you started writing the play and like you wrote the first couple of scenes and then we met up in Leeds again and we booked a venue at Buxton Fringe and we booked Edinburgh without <laughs> having a play and then thought that we must get this in because we've only got a few weeks. But welcome. So, yeah, so then, uh... So then we ended up sitting in a room in in Leeds in the in the Merion Centre and just um, and writing in, our entire play in the Merion Centre. Polly um, was like, "I booked a meeting room. This needs to be formal." <laughs> the middle class and I came out and booked a meeting room. The meeting room was at the back of an O2 shop <laughs> with a big glass window. I was trying to write a play, which is hilarious. <laughs> I look back on that very fondly, though. Well, we got our first draft and then we just kept editing editing it and every time we met up, we added something to it or took something out and and it just snowballed from there, really. So our play, in case um, the people listening don't know, although I imagine if anyone has listened to this, <laughs> it is probably people that already know quite a lot. Um, <laughs> it's called Special Measures and it was a just to point out that we're called Requires Improvement and our play was called Special Measures. We're, we're loving this Ofsted rating thing. We think it's very teachery. And I actually really, really love it. Um, but our play is called Special Measures and it is um, all of the stories, all of the funny things, all of the things that teachers go home and wish they could talk to someone about or tell people about. All those things that happened to us and um, particularly in our NQT years or the year we were writing it um, on stage and we play all sorts of different characters. Um, the central narrative though is from a character called Alex who is a new drama teacher at a secondary comprehensive school. I think the play's quite good, if I do say so myself. Yeah, I think we get good feedback from teachers so everyone said it's very relatable because um, when sometimes when you put it together you think oh have we gone too far but we but no because what we write is based on truth so we haven't gone too far because it actually happened to us but unless you're a teacher I wouldn't I think people wouldn't believe that that's actually happened they'd probably just think we wrote it for comedic effect but when the teacher sees it they're like oh yeah like exactly i i know all about that um so special measures was like it's something we we created and we're very passionate about and we took it last year to um shows in liverpool we went to liverpool every man and we did a scratch morning is that what's called yeah scratch morning yeah and we developed it there and then we took it to the buxton fringe festival for a sellout show which we absolutely made out of and we got our first review uh, which i was buzzing with yeah. we didn't get any stars for it not that it was, had no stars it was just not a <laughs> <Yeah>. star rating <laughs> but i wanted stars to put on a poster and then we took it to edinburgh fringe 2020 20 no 2019 oh that's sad um 2019 where we had a sellout run 
as part of the space. And we got, not to brag, a four-star review. We did. We also got a three-star review that we don't talk about because the reviewer got our names wrong and just did not get the point. But we sold out and all the people that came to see it, mainly an audience of teachers, absolutely loved it. Um, Mm -hmm. And it sparked such a conversation, which encouraged us really, I think, this year to in 2020 to launch a UK tour and we adapted it, we changed the play, we turned it up. Um, unfortunately, because of the current situation, the 2020 court got cut short after one date. We did a performance in Middlesbrough. Well, no, we did two performances at Middlesbrough, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, two, which were very well received. Um, and we tried a lot of new material, which I thought was mm-hmm. good. Yeah, and that really worked. That's like were some of the best parts of the show, the new stuff. And we, we were meant to go to Edinburgh this year, but obviously that's no longer happening. So we put a pin in it and we're hoping at some point in the near future that we might be able to go back. Um, but we might, <laughs> although very, very not hopefully, be at Books and Fringe in July. Because <laughs> they, yeah, well, can- they haven't cancelled yet, so who knows? So we might be at that. And just to plug it while we're there, our show dates for Buxton is... When's our show dates for Buxton? It is not even July, it's June. <laughs> it's the 12th no, and 13th of June. It's July. Uh, oh, yeah, it is July. I've got it wrong on my calendar. Is it the 12th and 13th? Or, uh, 11th, 11th and 12th of July. Molly is very much the organised one from us. I just turn off. <laughs> <laughs> So it's the 12th and... 11th and 12th of July. And you can actually buy tickets through the Books and Opera House for a very reasonable price of £8. We're there for two shows. We've got 60 tickets for each show. Although, um, of course, if things get changed because of social distancing guidelines and things like that, you will all be fully refunded. And we haven't announced it yet, but I think we're safe enough to announce it, Molly, on Liverpool show. We, we're meant to have a Liverpool show in April, but the lockdown came and swiftly took that away. Um, we have rescheduled that show for the 28th of October, 2020, um, at the Hope Street Theatre again. So if you're about the Liverpool area and fancy coming and seeing special measures, all the information's on Hope Street Theatre. Google it, or you can find it on all our social medias. Just to plug our social medias while we're here, if you yeah. have just stumbled upon us on a random podcast app, which I'm going to upload this to all of them, you can find us on social media at Blackboard Theatre or at Blackboard Theatre UK. We're on literally everything, I think, aren't we? Yeah, all social media platforms. Yeah, and, and you'll just you might get a taste of what the show's like, um, and we quite often post things about other theatre that we like as well and like we're we're really trying to diversify ourselves aren't we like as to what we can offer and push ourselves there we're Um, both not particularly social media savvy but we're we're trying (laughs) our best I I, I try and tweet every now and then yeah you're better than me a lot better than me um but we try we try. We try. We're there. But we would appreciate a follow on social media. And while we're talking about that, if you've stumbled upon our podcast, feel free to subscribe to us. We're going to try and produce content every week or every other week. Or I don't know, we haven't sorted out a schedule, but we will try and post podcasts as often as we can, as long as we get good feedback from you guys. Um, you can rate us five stars on iTunes. <laughs> give us them five stars. We need a five star review. <laughs> please, please, please give us a five star. Um, 
yeah, I think that's a, a good place. Um, shall we go to a quick break there, Molly? Yeah, sounds good to me. Right, we'll see you after a quick break from these sponsored ads. Blackboard Theatre's critically acclaimed Special Measures is currently touring the UK. We've got dates on the 11th and 12th of July at the Buxton Fringe Festival and the 28th of October as part of the Liverpool Fringe at the Liverpool Hope Street Theatre. All the information can be found on our social media accounts at Blackboard UK and on our website at www.blackboardtheatre.com. We hope to see you there. Hi and welcome back from the break. We're going to have a little chat now about some of the articles that are out there in the news at the moment about education and, and everything that's kind of going on at the moment um, in the world of education. Right, so I think the big one at the minute, Molly, and it's not actually a news article, but there's lots and lots of speculation out there about the reopening of schools. Mm, yeah, loads of rumours, loads of people saying different things. And, um, People are kind of, well, people are kind of like earmarking the first of June for us to go back or yeah. September and um the consensus at the minute anyway is that there's gonna be some kind of phased return, isn't there? Yeah, that seems to be the popular opinion, which I think there would have to be. Um I think they'd be very daft not to not to do that. Yeah, I, I I ideally wouldn't mind going back on the 1st of June because I am panicking about my year 10s, to be honest with you. Um, mm. Going into a year 11 year, trying to fit a whole... I teach AQA GCSE drama and I'm the only drama teacher in my school. So trying to fit a whole year's worth of that course into a into a year is kind of knocking me a bit <laughs> a bit sick, really. Um, I, I, I'm, I don't know about you, Ollie, but I'm on all like the Facebook pages for like drama teacher sharing or like AQA drama to try and like get ideas and like the feeling of people and I feel like there's two types of drama teacher at the minute one that has been mega like productive and have got a third of their course already done and people like me who are like well I was going to do it this term (laughs) I think the issue is nobody knows what's going to to happen next and I think I wouldn't stress about not planning stuff at the moment because you don't know what's going to be expected of you when you when whenever we do go back. And I mean, we we all got told that exams were cancelled this year. So I mean, when they do reopen, we don't know what we're going to be expected to teach necessarily when we go back because you can't fit however many weeks worth of school they've missed into a short period of time now it's going to have there's going to have to be some kind of agreement of what what you're going to cover before the before the summer holidays speaking of the summer holidays though when this all did happen i was convinced that we would still be open over the summer holidays and still be on shifts but there was apparently a, a very adamant no schools will not be open in the summer holidays the other day yeah the education minister is yeah, it called, is yeah. it called gavin williamson or am i making yeah, that yeah yeah so, well, well he, whoever it was said um you know that no that will not be open over the over the summer holidays which was it was gavin williamson yeah, yeah. But, although to be honest with you I, I know where we stand but even though he said that I was watching lots of things and hearing lots of discussion about people pushing for us to be open over the summer holidays, like to try and make up that time. And I don't mind it. Like, 
to be fair, I wouldn't mind doing like a year 10 summer school for 10 weeks. No, not 10 weeks, for like two weeks. Yeah. Do something just to catch them up. But I, I still don't think that you can fill that. I don't think you can fill that. I don't know why. I think people need to accept that we can't get it back. It's done. You know, we can't get that time back. It's gone. We can't fill those gaps. And I know there's, I know, you know, it's easy saying that than done, but the government are going to have to roll out something for next year because we can't just do what we've been doing because of all these gaps. And we can't be expected to fill these gaps in a reduced amount of time either. I know. My biggest worry with it is that they won't give us enough time in order to go back properly. So like Oh, if, absolutely not. No, if, they say they're gonna give us as much notice as possible, but look at the way they closed schools down. We didn't get any notice. No, like literally we we Well, I think from my point of view, we knew it was coming so we started to prepare. We yeah, but that's just because we're all good at our jobs. But it was still closed within a day, wasn't it? It was an announcement yeah. on the Thursday and then we were closed by the Friday and had to like scramble to get things sorted. Um, but obviously it needed to be done for safety. So I understand why that needed to be done, but surely we should have been getting more notice. Did you see the thing in the news that there's a report come out about the attainment gap um, and about us having lost all of the progress we have made on the attainment gap um, mm -hmm. in the last 10 years? I think that pretty soul destroying. So the attainment gap is that um, underprivileged children, mainly in the attainment is white working class boys, isn't it? Um, perform lower or have bigger gaps in their knowledge than other children. Um, that is really prevalent in my school because I am from very much a working class comprehensive school that is very much there to serve the local community and it is a very underprivileged community so i think we see that massively in our school and we're always talking about closing the gap although sometimes i completely don't know what it means when they talk about closing the gap but i know that there is children from certain households or certain backgrounds have less of a chance at attaining the higher grades i think I, I try my best to understand all this and probably no authority to speak on it, but I started a project in school um, with one of my other teacher friends um, trying to close the attainment gap between white working class boys as the, the target because they were the, were the group in our school that had constantly underperformed against everyone else. It was those boys that were kind of forgotten. But this report that's come out is showing that any progress that we made on closing that attainment gap has gone because of the time off school. Yeah. Yeah, well, it will have. And that's what I mean. We can't, we can't, I think teachers need to calm down because I think we think we're responsible for that. But we're not. Everybody's in the same boat. Like, we have had no control over the fact that schools have closed. We've got no control over what the children do at home. You know, we can set as much home learning as we like, but we have no power and no control over what they do at home. And nobody knows what the expectations are going to be when we do go back. You know, you just can't, you can't put that pressure on yourself to, to close those gaps or to be, take responsibility for the attainment and the progress this year, because it just, 
it's an anomaly, you know, and next year something is going to have to change. I said to you a few weeks ago that the, the whole education system is going to change and you laughed at me. <laughs> I honestly think that that means, I think it'll have to happen. I don't think we can just go back in September and start like we would any normal academic year. Something is going to have to be done about this, but that's going to have to come from higher up, not, not from us. And not on a school level either. It'll have to come from a governmental level because I think I think we both agree that the education system as it is is broken, um, and that's what our show is about, really, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and that how what we put children through and how we measure them for progress is just not not. Well, I would not. like to think that hopefully they've realised. Like, never has a teacher's voice been more important than this year. Like, they haven't had exam papers to go off. They've had to listen to us and our judgments. Which I think is, is a really good progress step. But yeah. I, I just think, and it's probably the pessimist in me, is that things will change in the short term, but then as soon as it's fixed, we will go back. Oh, yeah. But that's the thing. Unfortunately, that's the same about everything. You know, there's so many things out there at the moment, you know, about people wanting to get back to normal. Well, what, but what, what do you want to take from this experience? You know, what why are you rushing back to normal when there's things about this that are actually making you a better person and it's like unfortunately we might all go back to normal eventually with good intentions of you know putting the phones down more and not driving as much and walking more but actually i unfortunately i don't think we're the kind of society that'll keep it's like it's like a new year's resolution isn't it (laughs) we'll probably have a good couple of months of it but i don't know I seen on a drama teacher page, like one of the share of Facebook pages, someone was quite anxious and raised the concern over, obviously um, it's probably different because I'm, I teach performing arts and it is a subject that can quite easily be axed and taken away. And there's a lot of concern that they might just chop any, any vocational subjects or performing artsy subjects for the foreseeable future to try and make up the gain on like maths, English and science. And like people are scared they might get made redundant and things like that, which I didn't think of until I see this post. And now I'm terrified that I might get sacked. <laughs> yeah, but they've also just changed the whole Ofsted framework. So that would be, that would be crazy because they've just released a new Ofsted framework this year where foundation subjects and the wider curriculum have a massive role in in the teaching um, world and, and obviously Ofsted's judgment now. So I don't see, I mean, I say I don't see how they could do it because they do reverses all the time, but I think they'd, they'd be daft to do that after this year of everybody getting their curriculum sorted. Um, this year has been a nightmare on curriculum. Yeah. Like absolute nightmare, just like rationing. Yeah, the amount of hours that people have put into rewriting curriculums and you know making sure they're Ofsted ready. Um, like they'd be daft. Here's a question for you then. You said you think things need to change next year and this system needs to change. What needs to change? Well, I don't know whether the the kind of the the academic year is going to have to change because I don't 
yes, they'll have aged, but they're, so I teach in year one. So my year one children have left year one in the middle of that, or near enough the middle of that academic year. They can't now be expected to go into year two in September and pick up the year two curriculum straight away because there's massive gaps in their knowledge from the year one curriculum because it hasn't been taught to them. So either children are going to have to stay in their year groups for another half a term, I mean, it would be a squeeze, or the term that they've effectively missed and be taught that curriculum. So either like the curriculum is going to have to be changed maybe so there's less to teach in it or they're going to have to readjust the academic year and how long you spend in a year group i don't i don't know oh i don't know that's creepy i like i don't like the thought of changing the academic year <laughs> well i don't either and i don't think that would happen but at the same time i completely get what you're saying though about um there's going to be massive you can't just go on to the next year yeah, because there's going to be gaps in knowledge there's going to be massive but i haven't taught my year one's fractions this year for example that, that, that was what we were moving on to before lockdown went happened so in year two because i used to teach in year two they will have that's questions to answer about fractions they should have an understanding of quarters halves you know going into year two but when they go into year two if they go straight onto a year two curriculum they will have no concept of what fractions are so within year two they will have to learn the year one part of fractions in the curriculum and the year two part of fractions in the curriculum so that's what i'm saying how how are they i don't know how they're going to do it but you can't just expect them to go into the next year group and pick up as if they normally would yeah, completely. Because um, they need, we need to address those gaps in the knowledge. So does it all like shuffle on a term? I don't know. So do they then say, right, well, in so for example, do we do year what? So if they stayed, if they finished the year one curriculum up until Christmas, and then it still stays the same, like Christmas to July, but they're going to have to edit the curriculum so they don't have to cover as much in year two and obviously throughout school so you and then that might be how it is from then on so this might sound very naive for me but um from the point of view of this question is not naive because I, as a secondary drama teacher, we don't have a national curriculum. Our national mm -hmm. curriculum for secondary drama is like three lines in the English curriculum. So I don't have a hard and fast curriculum of what I've got to teach. I design yeah. my own curriculum. But will every year one class be up to the same point in the curriculum? Or may say your year one class has not done fractions, but has someone else's class already done yeah, fractions? Yeah. So that's just how we choose to teach the curriculum. So there's certain objectives that obviously you have to cover within your year group, but it doesn't say what order you have to cover them in. So there could be year ones in the country that have done fractions, as an example, but because of our planning, we haven't yet. So it's... That'll have to very much be school by school basis, so isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Did you, so on this point, did you, are you, are you a member of the NEU? Yeah. Um, they emailed yesterday. 
um, with, do you know, the government has got five tests for ease and lockdown. They have said um, the five tests for reopening schools. And it's quite a well put together thing. So I thought I'd read it to you and we could talk about it and we could see what we think and whether we, we as teachers would feel safe going back to school. Well, I say going back to school. As teachers know, we're still there, we're still teaching, we're still yeah. in for vulnerable and key workers' children, and we're still teaching and working from home. So it's not like we're off as teachers, but I think people forget that. So they've put five tests together. So test number one, I'm just going to give you the headlines, is much lower numbers of COVID-19 cases. That to me seems pretty like a pretty standard one. Yeah. We need to see that before any, any, Anything, any, yeah. yeah. yeah to make sure it's safe so test two a national plan for social distancing so this is talking about um for both appropriate physical distancing and social mixing in schools as well as appropriate ppe for staffs so they want like a national plan which they're gonna have to do if they take us out of lockdown like they're gonna have to do that but uh, from my point of view, social distancing in school is impossible. I was in um, yesterday, not yesterday, on Thursday, teaching a handful of children. And even still then, getting the point across to them that they need to stay away from each other was hard. Oh, God, yeah. And I mean, I've got little children who do not understand at all. It, it's like, I don't know, how can they physically do that? Un- and unless... little children who seek comfort through physical contact as well. That must be really hard for you then. Yeah, because, like, you know, how you don't want to distress them even more by, you know, rejecting them, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> Social distancing! Yeah. I, I find, well, when this all started kicking off, um, as a school, we've got a school approach that at the start of every lesson, we do um, our handshake. So you have a school handshake. And... I quite like it because um, our rationale behind it is it, it grounds the child to the lesson and like every child has that physical contact of shaking the hand before they go in and it also teaches the student like a proper formal greeting, it sets them in the right mindset. I quite like it because now the kids just come to the lessons expecting to shake your hand and mm-hmm. at the start of it I felt quite tight being like oh sorry I can't shake your hand, social distancing. Yeah because it's something they take pride in doing and they feel they're grown up doing I don't know so test number three is testing they think any anyone working in a school should be tested Did, we got an email this week we, yeah school. we can be tested now I'm going to try I'm going to try I tried this week to get a testing spot but I couldn't, so I'm going to try again next week. I haven't been very well for some time. Like, not I don't think it's COVID, but I've just had, like, a sore throat and things. So I'm just going to go get tested just to check, because if we can get tested, why not? Mm-hmm. So I think that's quite well. Test four would be whole school strategy. Protocols to be put in place to test a whole school or college when in a case occurs, and for isolation to be strictly followed. So they, the NEU want, if there's a one case of COVID in the school for that whole school to then be tested. Which is probably right, isn't it? It is, but it's very difficult to do, wouldn't it? It's quite idealistic, isn't it? Yeah. Which I think is probably what the union should be, idealistic. In a perfect world, this is what we want. Yeah. 
within it, Camorgan, and test five is protection for the vulnerable. So vulnerable staff and staff who live with vulnerable people um, must work from home, fulfilling their professional duties to the extent that is possible. Plans must be specifically address the protection of vulnerable parents, grandparents, and carers, which I think is a massive one, especially in schools, because mm. quite a lot of our staff would fall into a vulnerable category at some point. Mm. Because even like um, things like asthma make you in the vulnerable category, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think those five tests are good. And hopefully they get listened to. Yeah. Hopefully. It, it'd be nice. What do you think is going to happen in like your, your gut instinct? What do you think is going to happen? I think we'll go back before the summer. Um, I know a lot of people think it's going to be September, but I think we'll be back before the summer holidays. I think when they come back, it will be like a phased thing in the sense that you won't have the whole school or maybe even your whole class in at the same time. Um, in terms of teaching wise, I honestly don't know what the expectations would be because I think in terms of Yes, obviously we need to fill those gaps, but you've got some children who've gone through like life-changing experience and everything's different. The whole world that they knew has completely changed. So I don't think you could have them back in school and straight back into maths, English and, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. So I don't know what the expectations would be in terms of what you would have to cover when they came back. It needs to probably be very pastoral approach to it, doesn't it? And very yeah. like I think the focus would just be getting them back into school life and the transition like obviously this time of the year would be thinking about the transition period and I think that's gonna take even longer because of what's happened to them. Yeah, I'm dreading it. You know, I think like the transition back from after summer is usually so hard and so difficult. Mm -hmm. I think this is going to be even worse. But I think in terms of teachers' well-being as well, I do think we should probably have PPE if they're going to put us back in. Um, what what PPE do you think we should be wearing then in school? I think at least probably like masks gloves and a gown i say i i do think we need to wear protection but can you imagine trying to teach children oh, in no, that PPA? It, would be, it would be awful um but i think i think we would need to have it yeah uh, maybe just a mask and like hand washing procedures and See, we like have that? to wear gloves when we go in the moment on shift. Oh, do you? We don't do that, you see. There's gloves yeah. there if people want to wear them, but I don't... No, we don't we have, have, them. We have to wear tall. It says all staff must wear gloves. So you wear gloves to do what, though? We're just to be in the building. And you change them often and, like... Well, yes and no. Yeah, like at lunchtime, obviously, I take them off and change them. If I go up the loo, I change them. Um, but I tend to anti-back the gloves while I've got them on as well. So, like, if, they've been, if I've been, if I've touched a surface or whatever, I'll put a bit of anti-back on the gloves. Yeah. 
can you imagine right and i know this is probably not like the top of people's priorities but can you imagine trying to do behavioral management in ppa well, no, like, it would, I mean, I'm thinking of my little ones, well, it would terrify them. I think, I think if we normalised that everyone wears masks, if it were, if we had, we, we would have to normalise it, wouldn't we? Yeah. Yeah. And that's what, but that's what I mean about the pastoral side. There'd have to be so much time taken to make them feel safe and A new routines and things like that. Yeah. And like, what happens at play times? There's so many questions. I would would not like to be on the side of of giving the answers because I don't think you will ever ever get a perfect response to this. No, but my worry is that they don't consider all of these questions, and we don't actually get a structured kind of which, definitive answer of what is expected of us. Which is probably what will happen. It will probably be down to each individual head yeah, won't it? that's what they'll very, say it's very easy to then lay blame on us if something goes untoward oh i don't know right shall we end on a bit more of a positive <laughs> no it went very dark not dark but shall we end on a positive note let's end on a positive note right yeah we are both very much theatrical people and at the minute there is so much theater out there for us to like consume and watch online have mm-hmm. you watched anything that you would like to recommend or talk about well i have watched some of the national theater stuff that they've been um so that's every thursday night at seven isn't it yeah on, so on youtube my all-time favorite show ever is one man two governors so i've actually seen that live four times and, and you've <laughs> recommended this to me before lockdown as well hadn't you yeah i've seen it live four times i'd seen it at the cinema with james Corden, and then i watched it again um when they released it and i just it it's the perfect pick me up at the moment i would say it's hilarious um it's really easy to watch um, I, I also watched this and was so I the audience interaction slash participation or whatever yeah. you call it made I was just so cringy like it worried me as to what they do if, if you haven't seen it go and watch it but what they've yeah. done to this poor woman from the audience which I later found out was a stooge so I feel better about her the, yeah Dean messaged me during while he was watching it like did this happen when you were there <laughs> it's like is it real but no did you watch Frankenstein this week no I'm, but I am going to watch it because um, we really want to watch that one that was one we wanted to see at the cinema and never got there so it's it's top of my list I did also watch the Jane Eyre one um, which Dean tried to watch but didn't get all the way no that is not me i appreciated the set design i appreciated the music i appreciated the acting but it's just not my style not my type of piece i just can't i can't bear it it's it was i think they did a very good job um but i think it's a very long novel and i think to fit it into two well three hours is is a really difficult task um and i think maybe it was I think it's difficult to get the content of the novel and it's not just the theatre show, it's, it's, fil- it's people who, you know, when the films have been adapted, I think it needs to be like a TV series or, you know, because it needs that time. Um, cause I actually, I, I like, 
I'm reading the novel at the moment. Um, since watching that, it's kind of like spurred me to read the novel. Um, Such a Molly thing. It is, yeah. And there's just so much content in it that all the TV adaptations, films I've seen still don't, still are nothing on the novel. Um, but it was good. And what they did, what they did with the set, I agree, was very good for. I thought the design aspects in it were fantastic. Yeah. Um, Frankenstein, the design on that is also fantastic and you should watch it. I think they have got, there's two versions, you see, there's a version where Johnny Lee Miller plays Frankenstein and Benedict Cumberbatch plays the monster and, yeah. then, and then they swap for the next version. Um, but they've got both versions on there so you can watch it twice effectively. But it's good. I watch it. It's one I use in school to watch because um, oh, if you yeah. didn't know, National Theatre have an app it, like an in-school service which is three to all state schools um, and other school, types of schools as well I think if you are like a privately funded school like a private school um, you are asked to pay something but you got access to all if not most of the national theatre things as well as like lesson plans and things like that so I use it a lot for my live theatre aspect or just showing the kids things and Frankenstein is one we go back to a lot um, before we finish I'm just going to give my um, theatre recommendation um, because I absolutely loved it on BBC iPlayer Emma Rice's Wise Children if you haven't seen it go and watch it because it is amazing it is um, one of my favourite styles of theatre is like storytelling theatre where they use puppets and music and song and bring things together that like tell a story to life and there's lots of multi-role and it's it's very much you you when you watch it Please watch it because if you watch it, Molly, I think you'll see a lot of like things that when we rehearse, I'm influenced by. Yeah, no, I will. I do. I am getting round to watching it. I, th um, I think you will enjoy it. It is a really good story. It's based on a book, but Emma Rice um, used to be the artistic director of the RSC. Am I right in thinking that? And she worked with Knee High and she did loads of Knee High and it's such a nice style. But it's on iPlayer and it's a really good story and it's it's hilarious, but it's also so sad. Mm. So that's my recommendation of the week. <laughs> Imagine I like a little for you song. <laughs> so there's loads of no, things that you feel. I know, you, you have told me about that and it does sound really good. I will check it out as soon as I can. By that, Molly means she'll put it on the list and never get to it. <laughs> <laughs> she's very middle class she makes lists about everything <laughs> I do like right I think for our first podcast Molly this has been f quite productive it's yeah. been us probably finding our feet thank you if you've bared with us and got all the way through this yeah. um, it's very much <laughs> us finding our feet and we will refine it for future podcasts but if you have enjoyed this please let us know because we'll know what to do and make more. If you agree with us or disagree with us on any of the topics, please get in touch from our social medias and please comment, rate, subscribe. I sound like a YouTuber on you all of the platforms and things out there. Um, thank you very much. But how do we finish this, Molly? Uh, thank you for listening and hopefully we'll speak to you again soon <laughs> <laughs> stay safe have a lovely week and we'll see you shortly thank you for and listening follow us on social media please please we're desperate we're thirsty as one might say <laughs> um stay safe have a lovely week and you know bye you have been listening to requires improvement by blackboard theater 
We've been Dean Osgood and Molly Atkinson, and we hope to see you next week. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please rate and review us on all and any podcast review website. Thank you.